Welcome to Live the Fuel. Welcome to Live Welcome the Fuel. To Live the Fuel. Focusing on health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Live the Fuel show. So today, I've got a new show that's kind of changing things up for you guys because basically, we're actually going to be double publishing this episode. Uh, let me kind of lead in here. Uh, our co-host actually interviewed me, and uh, she's a, a young lady who's basically has founded the Simply Designed Life podcast. So uh, a quick little bio on her is um, she's actually worked through her own struggle to with overwhelming and information overload, which has led her to declutter uh, and focus on coaching and productivity. Uh, and she's aiming for that uh, to use that 80-20 rule, right? The uh, As she says on her website, the Pareto uh, or the Pareto principle in almost everything she does. So her professional background is marketing communications for financial services and startups. Love that since I'm a marketing professional. And her work has appeared in both national and local outlets. She's the author of the 50 Shades of Simple, How to Prioritize in the Age of Information Overload. So uh, again, to our listeners, guys, this is a new episode. We literally recorded this for her show, which should be, be published before I publish it here. And so again, if you want to hear that after today in, on her platform, go check her out, the Simply Design Life podcast. So without further ado, I'm actually referring to the founder of that show and her website name, LoriRochino.com. So it's L-O-R-I-R-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. And a final little connection for you guys, she and I connected at the MapCon 2017 event that I spoke at, and that was her first time attending a podcast, a conference, my second time. Uh, But again, without further ado, I'm going to feed this in right to her episode and give you guys a taste of what we actually recorded for her show. Thanks, guys. Listen in. Scott, a great big welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Let's do this. Well, tell us a little bit about your background and entrepreneurial journey, and what steps did you need to take to make your business dream a reality? Oh, I like that. That's a nice little uh, intro there as far as sending me on the right path. Well, I wasn't always an entrepreneur. I actually grew up in an entrepreneurial family and wanted nothing to do with it. I always like to explain that to people. <laughs> mm. uh, but you know, I was a farm kid and then went, uh, started chasing like corporate dreams because I saw money there. Did a lot of growth there. Worked for some major companies like T-Mobile and, and ADP Corporation and some other ones. Spent some time in the tech space. And then uh, then went from that to going back to school, as we were just actually briefly talking about, um, and decided to go for a BS in marketing and psychology as an adult student. So I did that on nights mm-hmm. and weekends. And because uh, since I had the salary and the career to afford it, um, mm-hmm. uh, let's be real though, college education is not affordable. I still have about 50 grand I'm paying off and I'm 40 <laughs> years old. So anyway, <laughs> the, uh, so uh, fast forward on that story, finished a degree, uh, got tired of the corporate world, uh, went out west to serve as a federal hotshot wildland firefighter for two years. That completely changed my life, came back and said, I'll never return to the corporate world again, and I'm going to start figuring out what the heck this whole entrepreneurial dream is about. And uh, yeah, so it's been going that since slowly building this as a side hustle, probably started back in 2010, 2011, when I was doing the firefighting, like my, my brain started shifting, right? And it started saying, okay, let's start getting back into the self-help, the self-development. So to answer part of your question of like, what did you do? Well, 
you can't, you know, change the world overnight. So when I was firefighting and we get done off of a fire, let's say we're driving back from like Montana to Arizona, um, I would download audiobooks. And this is right around when I started hearing about podcasts and stuff like that uh, coming about. Uh, but I was still big on the audio tracks and just started putting the headphones in because you're sitting in a vehicle for hours on end until they take us back to our base in Arizona for our days off. So it's like, sweet, I got time to, instead of listening to music, learning. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was part of the initial kickstart into the, uh, what, what were some of the steps to <laughs> figuring out entrepreneurship and, and how to start figuring out what I was going to do one day regarding all that sales and marketing professional background that I already had and now had a degree, but all that was on hiatus for like two years while I was firefighting. So, wow. So let's back up a little bit. Yeah. So you, um, you were in an entrepreneurial household and you didn't want to have anything to do with it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why was that? Um, I love sharing this because I believe in complete transparency. And so I was a farm kid, right? And my dad, my dad's dad uh, was like a livestock broker. So cattle, um, they would buy and sell. And then they had customers that they would take their animals and pick them up and transport them to either markets or slaughterhouses, depending on where they were going. And my father did that. And I, uh, we, how do I explain this? It's always a struggle, right? And I saw that as a kid, you know, my dad and my, my, my father, my mother and my father have never, at least in my life, I don't remember them ever owning a house. They would move, they would rent. Um, the business was transferable to new markets you know, as the farms moved out or closed up, they would then follow the farms from New Jersey into Pennsylvania. So I saw some of that. Uh, I, did not learn the best financial best practices from uh, my family. I love my father. I love my mother. And I don't regret that. I actually look at that as a great opportunity to see how people grow up differently. And anyway, I just saw a lot of struggle. And I mean, in the end, he always kicked ass and we always had a roof over our head. We were never like poor, poor, uh, but we were definitely not like the upper middle class by any stretch of the means. Um, So I just saw all that and I was like, man, I want something different. You know, I used to ride along in the truck with my dad. We'd go to the farms. Like, hell, I was probably 10 years old when I walked into a slaughterhouse and you see a, a cow hanging there, like, getting, mm. you know, cut up. <laughs> and, yeah. like, you learn, you learn, like, oh, that's where your food comes from. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> crazy, crazy lifestyle. I learned how to work hard as a kid and grow up and, and take care of animals and take care of things that are not, you know, that you're responsible for. To be fair, I actually did have my first entrepreneurial experience as a kid because I used to sell eggs on the side of the road. Uh, we had a giant chicken coop and we would raise chickens and, uh, I would package them up and I'd have a, I put a sign out on the side of the road in front of the farm saying, you know, a dollar a dozen eggs. Now, nowadays you could buy organic farm fresh eggs for like five, $6 a dozen. So I'm obviously giving you an example of before the word organic and all natural really even existed. That's basically what I had. <laughs> yeah. You were living whole foods life before whole foods became popular, right? That's before whole foods even existed. Probably. I don't even know. That's that, God. I mean, I'm, I'm 40 now. I, let, let's see. I was, I was 16. So do the math on that one. So, yeah. so yeah, it, it's, I just didn't, I didn't get it and I didn't understand it. And I mean, fast forward to today, I mean, my father still runs that business. He's now, he's now niched himself into the organic market of animals and stuff. So it allows him to work less because there's a higher dollar value per unit, so to speak, as me and my business speak. Uh, and my younger brother has his own version of the business. They used to work together, but he spun off his own business. They basically split central Pennsylvania as their markets. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I've just, again, I've seen the struggle. So, yeah. but fast forward to today, and I look down, and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of things I could have learned from that, right? So now my mm-hmm. father and I connect a little bit differently. I still don't completely agree with everything he does in his business and practices because I actually have a different level of education, but he's always, he's never, he's never worked for anybody but himself and his customers. So he's a true entrepreneur. So. Sounds like it. And, and then what, what brought you to firefighting, Scott? <laughs> a short-term romance. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's always a backstory. Uh, I went to a house party with some friends years ago. This is while I was kind of like in the corporate thing and chasing the money. And I was kind of an idiot. And, um, I just was just kind of going through life, man. Like, oh, I'll just keep, if I'm not happy where I'm at, I'll just go for a promotion and work my way up. Anyway, I went to a house party and this, I met this girl. Uh, her name is Shasta. She's named after Mount Shasta in California. So you definitely tell her parents were probably hippies because her sister's name was Denali, as in oh, Mount Denali yeah, from yeah. Alaska. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Anyway, she was living here in Pennsylvania, but she was from Nevada. And okay. anyway, we briefly had like a, just a fun, casual, hey, it's only a month or two because she was moving back west. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, what are you going to go do? She's like, I've, I really love working with people and helping them feel better. She wanted to become a professional masseuse. Mm-hmm. And she found a program in Vegas that was very expensive. So she's like, I'm going to go back and be a hotshot wildland firefighter. And number one, I'm on the East Coast. So I was like, what the heck is a hotshot wildland firefighter, let alone what is a wildland firefighter, right? There's two different tiers there. Hmm. And she told me all about it. And she went back and... uh I learned all about, I basically became obsessed with it because it's not because of her, but because I'm like, what is this? And I would just, whenever I got stressed out in my job or when I was going back to school on nights and weekends classes, I just started Googling more and more about it and became obsessed. And I was like, wait a minute, I've never served in public service. I started really getting into charity work and stuff like that in my free, what, what little free time I had. And I said, well, what if, you know, what if an opportunity popped up where I could just go? Because I never got, I mean, this, this is all, this is just all kinds of backstories here. I mean, there's stuff triggered from 9-11. Like I was working for T-Mobile as a, as a coach and a developer and mm-hmm. you know, 9-11 hit and our company is shipping pallet loads of cell phones to New York city just to try and help people get communication going. I mean, 9-11 was just life changing for so many people. And I'm sitting at a call center managing a 20 to 30 person team. And I'm like, man, I want to be on the ground. Like I wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had our responsibilities here. So I, uh, it's just one of those things where my brain started changing and I said, well, what if? So anyway, I finished that degree, but while I was finishing that degree, I decided to take action and say, well, what if I got certified? So I found a wall and firefighting certification program at a federal, uh, department of energy property up in long Island, New York. So while I was my senior year, uh, I, uh, I negotiated my own dismissal from my job because I hated it. So I basically, mm-hmm. they said, uh, they said, listen, like if you leave like your federal licenses, I was selling retirement plans and stuff like that for ADP. Mm-hmm. And I was the second top salesperson. And my right. boss is like, you want to leave? Like you're kicking ass. You've only been here a year. I said, yeah, but I hate it. <laughs> so I was mm-hmm. like, my degree's about to be done and I've got this thing. So I was like, I need some time freedom. So I literally said, let's, she's like, well, I was like, but I, but I wanted unemployment. And I'm not a big supporter of unemployment, but I said, well, listen, I want you to fire me so I can get unemployment. She didn't want to fire me because I was one of her best employees, but she's like, okay. But she's like, it could potentially cause a problem with your federal licenses. I'm like, I will never sell retirement plans ever again. I don't care about my federal licenses. Take them. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. anyway, so I got her to fire me and I got the unemployment 
So I had a little extra money to help just cover me while I was finishing that senior year. Went to New York when I wasn't taking classes. Luckily, a lot of my classes started getting more online. This is 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, studied, studied in a program there for two weeks. Finished it. Uh, came back. Now I'm a certified wildland firefighter. Connected with the instructor there. He invited me out to Colorado because he's. I was one of only two people out of 30 that raised their hand and said they wanted to be a hotshot. And he said, well, if you want to be a hotshot, you got to get out to another academy. you got to network. you got to get connections. He's like, because you have no firefighting background. And he's like, hotshots don't just hire people like you. He's like, that's an elite position. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm all in, man. I'm, i i got to be a hotshot. <laughs> so, wow. so yeah. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. So, negotiated my own dismissal, had the unemployment at least cover me while I was finishing that certification, graduated, then went to Colorado in uh, January 2009, to go to that fire academy. So now I'm degreed, my resume looks awesome. I've got some unemployment covering my bills uh, while I'm in that academy. Boom, mm -hmm. get connected, uh, network with a one of the instructors over lunch who happens to be a new interim superintendent of an elite hotshot crew, one of the oldest in the country based in Arizona. He likes me, yada, yada, yada. I'm hired, I show up out there in April of that year. And, uh, sorry, this is 2010. April 2010, boom, I fight fire for the next two years and I get to learn what it's like to um, get very humble because everything that I'd done prior to that meant nothing to them. Uh, basically, you shut up, you put your head down, you dig in the dirt. And you make sure you're protecting your fellow firefighters around you while, you know, keeping yourself alive. And there's all kinds of backstories on that. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It was life-changing. And would you say that the lessons that you learned from firefighting translate into what you're doing now? God, yes. Like and just so many different things. I have, I have like old videos that I put on my YouTube channel. Uh, that a professional photographer, video guy shot for me. So I look very professional, but we have all these little themes like, you know, how does wild, how's wild a firefighter apply to entrepreneurship? Stuff like that. And okay. I mean, I just, I just, for your listeners right now, they just got a taste of that, right? Like I kind of hinted about, man, I got a network. I got to connect, right? I have no background. Nobody knows me in the firefighting community. I'm just this guy who, yeah, I grew up on a farm and I've run marathons. So I got, I'm athletic, you know, I was a certified spinning instructor at the time. So like, I have no problem. When I did that academy in New York, they have you do a pack test. You have to speed hike. You're not allowed to run. You have to speed hike three miles in less than 45 minutes with a 45 pound pack on. And wow. I crushed the whole class. I finished like five minutes ahead of people, even a Marine that had just left the Marine Corps. I beat him. Like I'm, I'm that driven. So, but the point was like the mindset's important. The physical mm -hmm. aptitude was important, but even with that, and yeah, I'm an academy guy. Like I thought that would help me. They, I actually got made fun of the, I, on the hotshot crew. Like, oh, we got an academy guy here. I was like, really? I was like, I thought that would help me. Like I thought that. No, these guys are like, dude, I've been fighting fire for four or five years, dude. You have no firefighting background. You're here on an elite hotshot crew, and do you think because you went to an academy, you have a clue? You don't have a clue. <laughs> wow. So it's just uh, you. You could take a lot of these little stories and apply it to what it's like to try and kick off a business. Maybe you're a brick and mortar entrepreneur and uh, you open up in a market where there's already two or three top competitors. Hell, let's look at it from the fitness space, right? Now you're just some personal trainer who's just trying to hustle and you know you've got a good niche, you know you've got a good training program and you're going to open up a, a, a fitness consultation or one-on-one -on -one training, whatever it may be, but everybody else around you has been there for three, four, five years and mm -hmm. you're about to get a whole wake-up call on, wow, 
okay, I am the new guy or new girl on campus. <laughs> wow. So Scott, where's there like kind of a hazing, not a hazing ritual, but you know, um, like how, how did you break the ice with them? Uh, <laughs> again, back to the humble piece. It took a little bit, uh, because I was already hired whether they liked it or not. I'm there, man. Like I'm, I, I'm becoming one of their brothers. So at the beginning of that rookie year, um, I'm also, I'm also considered the old guy. That's the best part. They're calling me the old guy. I was 31, 32 years really? old. I'm like, really, dude? I'm not old. I'm 31. So, so, so are these guys like millennials or? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 See, think about it this way, right? Apply. Okay. So the hotshot world is kind of like the militaristic side of wildland fire. So there's wildland firefighting, you know, regular type two crews. And then there's something called the type one crew which is you got to be like an adrenaline junkie. You got to have a little bit of crazy in you. That's what I've been told. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and actually real quick, last Friday, a movie came out. So now uh, called only the brave and it's a story of the hotshots. Um, oh. It's actually a story of the uh, Granite mountain hotshots was a na na neighboring hotshot crew to my crew in Arizona. And unfortunately 19 of the 20 men were all killed in 2013 on a fire. This is the, Worst case scenario that we would ever have to worry about. And it was viral. It was all over the news uh, since then. I mean, I knew 17 of the 19 faces that had died. So I have a special connection to that. And uh, since then, uh, we, we, we're we big CrossFitters. I'm a CFL1 CrossFit coach. I found the love of CrossFit uh, from the firefighting. That was our that was a basis of our fundamental training. So like we all, like there's a, something called a hero's workout, a hero's wad and uh, every fallen, like a fallen military, fallen police, fallen fire, we create workouts in their name and then do them. Mm -hmm. So we petition CrossFit because they're now big. You know, they've been on ESPN, they're international. There's gyms all over the world. Like, and those are all entrepreneurial owned. And we're like, hey guys, like we need to create a hero's wad. And we called it you know, Hot Shots 19. So every year since their, their passing in 2013, starting that year, I've been running a small charity workout here every year. Uh, because it's just, it's who I am. It's where I came from that two years. I'll never stop doing that. So I have a special connection there. Um, but back to your point and your question of, oh, how'd I earn the respect? Well, it doesn't matter how old you are. This is a great lesson. Uh, whether it's millennials or me, I'm a Gen X is you got to put in the work. Okay. You can have the best gift of gab, right? I'm a sale. I was already a sales and marketing professional going into that job. So I have no problem talking the talk. That's how I got the job. I got I killed it in the interview and I also committed to him and I said, listen, you give me two years and that's all I ask. I can't promise you more because I don't know if I'm going to fall in love with this job, but uh, he's just like, I need people for at least two years. He's like, I'm rebuilding this crew. And I said, all right, let's, I'll do that. And it's, it's so crazy because if you go see this movie, this mm -hmm. is literally the same backstory with this crew, that crew who passed away, they were earning their hotshot status because they were the first ever city run city owned from Prescott, Arizona hotshot crew. In the history of hotshots, there have always been federal. You're either U.S. Forest Service or your Bureau of Land Management as far as hotshot crews. No hotshot crew is a below federal tier. They were the first experimental program. So they had spent they spent years, you'll see this in the movie, they spent years trying to earn the respect, earn the right, mm -hmm. get the training, show that they were physically fit enough, that they were trained enough, and they were dialed in enough to earn that right. So the funny thing was when I joined that crew, they lost their superintendent. Uh, cause he was a little bit of a whack job and, and my, my interim superintendent who hired me, my boss said, Scott, I need guys I can count on right now because I'm the interim soup 
And right now, because we lost him, we've lost our hotshot status. And this is one of the oldest hotshot crews in the nation. He's like, we have to literally get recertified this year to regain mm-hmm. the right to call ourselves hotshots. Or else when we deploy to fires, we're just a regular type two crew. So was, there was a lot of uh, oh my goodness. drive in what he was trying to do. So, yeah. and I told him like, listen, man, I've got the work ethic. I was like, I know you don't care about my resume, but you could tell that I've put in the time. I am considered the old guy on the crew because I'm 31. I mean, really. 31. But, uh, I was like, oh yeah, I'm so old. <laughs> really um, old. But admittedly, and and I didn't realize at the time, but he's, you know, beginning I'm a rookie, right? So I know eventually he'll look to me for some leadership support because I'm the older guy. But in the beginning, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah, there's eight, the average hiring age of a hotshot crew is 18 to 24. And wow. unfortunately, if you look up Granite Mountain Hotshots and you look at all their names, and all of their ages, three quarters of the crew, three quarters of the 19 people who died were less than 30 years old. My God. 21, 22, 24. I mean, these guys are just starting their lives. It's a yeah. little tragic. Sorry, I'm not trying to bring your show down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, and admittedly, man, I, I freaking cried on Friday last week, like three different times during the movie. It really connected to me. And I was, I was worried if they were going to honor their memory and really what hot shots were about. I was, I was worried they were going to try to over Hollywood it. Um, but great story. And actually that's a again, go back to the point of entrepreneurship. You know, again, I, I'm, a, I'm the old guy trying to go into an elite firefighting crew with no firefighting background besides being an academy guy. And then I also got to earn the respect of actually millennials that are younger than me that have already been there for two or three years. So it's like, again, your wow. age, your age means nothing. Here's the, here's the summation of the answer, right? To your listeners. Like, it doesn't matter how old you are. Mm-hmm. I, I've met people 45, 50 years old that got their heads up their butt. They don't have a clue. All right. I've met uh, at a recent event, I was out Thrive, Make Money Matter in, in, in uh, Vegas this year. Last year was in San Diego. Powerful entrepreneurial event, teaching people how to build businesses, align themselves with purpose, make money matter as they grow their brands, their companies, et cetera. Big picture thinking, right? And mm-hmm. I've met people there that are 22 that I was like seriously impressed by. I'm like, man, yeah. dude, you're, you're only. I, I just had a guy on the show. I think he's 24 or 25. Uh, Stefano. Stefano Gandini, Stefano Gandini, shout out to him, man. Dude, like the guy's already gone, become an entrepreneur. He's literally built enough of a business and his coaching business to now work for himself. I was like, dude, I did not have that clue at 25. I was still having like the quarter life crisis, stuck in a corporate world, trying to figure out my romantic life, blah, blah, blah. Like I I, I was like, dude, you're 25 and you got a clue? And I've met female entrepreneurs the same way. It's like, holy crap, dude. Age, sex doesn't matter. It's, can you put your head down? Can you put in the reps? Can you put in the work? And then not just earn the respect from others around you, but then earn the respect for yourself. Right, right. So Scott, do you think, um, okay, so we know that, you know, you you put your head down, you do all the work. Is there something else that the millennials know that we don't, that we're just not clued in? Like, I'm also um, 40. I'm a Gen Xer, so I've, I've experienced the whole so quarter you- life crisis. And, you know, I myself, like, you know, when I have clients, some of them are millennials and, you know, I have to speak their language. So um, what, what do you think they have that we didn't learn? Well, you know, I'm going to actually give you a double answer. There's awesome things and also opportunistic things with the millennial generation that they need to know because I've taken it upon myself. It sounds like you and I have that in common where, Mm -hmm. okay, we're Gen Xers. We are the prior generation and there's already a ton of rub 
between the baby boomers and the millennial generation from a from a if people have jobs because they don't they just don't connect like the, the baby boomers don't have a freaking clue uh they're hiring consultants to come in and teach them how to manage and grow millennials it cracks me up and uh and the same thing it's the same thing too i got buddies that are gen xers like me 41 42 i'm only i just turned 40 literally last month in september and i was like okay well um they're complaining like, okay, I've got this supposedly driven millennial working for me, but yet he's not willing to put in the work. And, and so the, here's, here's, here's the crossover that I was kind of hinting at, right? I've met some driven millennials. And one thing they're, they are getting is that they know that they can do more. They're no, they're not, they don't have blinders on. Whereas maybe in the Gen X world, we, a lot of us had blinders on. Like when I was doing the corporate thing, I thought I was supposed to climb the corporate ladder. But one of my mentors years ago, a great quote for your listeners, and pardon me if I could say it this way, but he's like, dude, every time you climb up that next rung of the corporate ladder, there's still somebody else's fat ass above your head. <laughs> and I was like, uh, wow, thank, thank you. This was my boss. This was my wow. boss in the corporate job. I was like, oh, uh, so what are you trying to tell me? Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, we were literally in a career pathing conversation. We were having a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, and he was trying to help me find my career path in the company. And I was like, mm -hmm. you're not exactly inspiring me right now. He's like, Scott, I'm being a realist. And I want to tell you how it is. He's like, if you can deal with that, then cool. You've got a chance. Keep going. But if you can't deal with that, you might want to start looking for other things. And he was the first mentor that ever kind of pulled the... I don't know, the wool off my eyes, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So when, whereas now I look at the millennial generation, I love it. There's, there's, there's a lot of drive. There's a lot of passion. Um, they, they hear and they see thanks to social media that there mm -hmm. are people out there getting it done and finding a way to do things outside the box, launch online businesses, launch online successful shopping carts, websites, heck blog, podcasts, whatever. Um, but the flip of that, the flip of that is that there's a lot of millennials and to your, to your listeners, guys, I'm not ripping on you. I'm trying to guide you is that there's a lot of millennials. Okay. Uh, Cause again, that's my target audience in my, my podcast too, is mm -hmm. they're, they're trying to rush it. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're not, some of them are not willing to put in the work. They want everything now. So here's the balance, have the psycho psychology, have the drive, have the mindset that you know you're capable of more and that you are looking for mentorship and coaching along the way. That's one, that's the other secret of that generation. They get it. They're looking for guidance. They're looking for mentorship. When I speak to other Gen Xers that are in, in leadership positions or the baby boomers, that's the biggest thing I teach them. I'm like, guys, they're looking for guidance. You see mm -hmm. them as being needy. They're not needy. They're just looking for a mentor and a coach to help them find their path. If you can be that approachable and be that big picture thinker, they will be loyal and they will get the job done. They're just looking for that inspiration or that draw that, that, that coincides with their, their burning fire, right? Like my logo, I got fire in it. It's the same thing, yeah. right? You got to fuel the fire, right? So, yep. but you got to do it in a different way, man. You got to think outside the box. It's a different generation. The millennial generation is that is the biggest generation yet to hit the professional workforce. We have the, we don't have enough Gen Xers to backfill the baby boomers that are retiring. Right. So we got to look to the next generation. They're looking for the guidance. They're looking for the coaching. They have the drive, the passion, the fire. But again, mm -hmm. back to my prior point, some of the millennials are trying to rush it. Listen, guys, you want to like launch a very successful company? 
at least learn what it's like to work for a company because eventually you may need employees. And if you do not know how to build a company that knows how to build a career path and grow employees like you want, how the hell do you expect to build a company? You've never spent time in one to learn from it. So I'm not trying to say go out and get a job, but in some cases you do. Okay, you got to know what it's like to work for others, work alongside of people. Same thing with the firefighting, right? I yep. thought, oh, I went to an academy. I'm very fit. I'm very driven. You know, I've probably still had a little bit of that overconfidence because I know that I've done already done more in my life than mm-hmm. these other guys in my fire crew, but I had no fire background. So my two of my squad bosses say, Scott, we love your drive, man. We love your passion. You are Mr. Positivity on your days off. You're out mountain biking, skydiving. I'm that guy. I mean, they literally hold on the sign behind me here for the video feed. I was nicknamed Mulventure. Okay. Ah, My last name is Mulvaney. This was handmade. Um, Oh God, I think I forget what tribe. It's a New Mexico-based tribe. I had four different uh, Native American professional firefighters on our crew from four different tribes. It was awesome, but it's one of the New Mexico ones. But anyway, his wife made us all signs uh, at the end of the fire season when we had our end-of-season party, and, and that's our crew logo, the, the, the skull, and PVIC was Pleasant Valley Interagency Hotshot Crew. And, but I was the only one that she put a nickname on there because everybody called me Mulventure. <laughs> but the point was, all that didn't matter when it, when it came to on the fire line you put your head down you put in the work your work sells itself people will see that you have that drive you don't have to tell them you have the drive show you have the drive show you, you say you're really really fit show it okay your behaviors your actions will show it people will see it and i was not really recognizing that and that was my big lesson and that's kind of my tie over back to the money i was like guys like uh, are you actually willing to show people that you know how to get it done? Because running your mouth ain't helping. It didn't help me as a rookie firefighter. I had to shut up, put my head down, and dig. Like mm. literally, actually dig fire breaks. You know, cut them open with chainsaws and actually dig in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. Um. So how do how? Let's see. Um. How long have you been podcasting for? You have a podcast. Launched it uh, just over a year ago, so September 2016. I had been a voracious consumer for, oh God, at least four years. So I just finally got to the point where I'm like, wait, I know enough, right? I put in the reps. There you go. We're tying it right back yeah. together. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I've been listening. I have all the different apps. I follow the websites. I'm a sales and marketing professional. I help people grow brands online. I'm like, why can't I use this to maybe grow a different angle on my brand? Because I love podcasts that much. <laughs> Yeah. So, so for all you listeners out there, just to interject real quick, uh, Scott Mulvaney and I actually met at the MAP conference, the Mid-Atlantic Podcasting Conference in the Philly area. MAPCon. Yeah. Shout out to Joe Pardo and team. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's definitely an inspiration. Super Joe Pardo. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, got to connect with a lot of podcasters. And that was actually my first podcast conference, Scott. Um, I believe so. Others as well. And MAPCon or? was my first one okay. year ago, I literally had launched the show that week of finally going to MapCon. So it was like everything was tied oh. together. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I had started my podcast in 2015, but it was very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And then um, I decided to up level like one and a half years later and just be like, this is stupid. I can do better than that. And so <laughs> <laughs> instead of, uh, yeah, I, I um, well, I, I made the biggest mistake, of course, of putting everything on the website server um, instead of a 
uh, buying separate hosting, but that's a different story. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You gotta have a say. Yeah, that's okay. These are, there's all different kinds of podcasting hacks. Uh, that, yep. but again, right? You didn't know until you made that mistake, right? I mean, yep. now granted, this goes back to the importance of investing in mentorship and coaching and find that way. Like I had a coach, um, the guy who mm-hmm. spoke at the previous year's MapCon, uh, Michael O'Neill. He's the host of the Solopreneur uh, Hour podcast, very successful. He's had his show about four or five years now. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he talks about too, like as entrepreneurs, right? Or he calls them solopreneurs, the individual entrepreneurs like you and I. It's mm-hmm. like, listen, you, you have to put in the reps, man. Like mm-hmm. those mistakes, those failures, that's what teaches you the most. Goes Again, we're going full circle again, right back to what you were talking about for the millennials or Gen Xers. Like guys, like, if you don't start taking action or start putting in the work or go get that job of in a, in a couple of different roles that may potentially be how you want to run your company, like you don't know and you never made mistakes in that position. So how are you supposed to learn from that and use that in the future to grow your own business? Right. That's yeah. how I look at it. Absolutely. And um, yeah, and half the time you can't really see, I mean, I think a lot of us, when we start out as entrepreneurs, we have this vision as to what we want, but usually the vision and like the implementation of that vision are two totally different things. And it's like what you said, you want, when you went to the Academy, um, everything that you learned there was pretty much, you know, I mean, you have to learn on the job. Right. They get, they covered the, by the book basics. But one thing I learned really fast when I got us, we got assigned for our first fire, uh, was holy crap. Here's reality right? <laughs> they talk about it. They have you study it. They have you memorize it, but it's a whole different world till you get out on that fire line. And that goes back to being a business, right? Like you think you're prepared for everything until you turn that website on or you turn your podcast on, or you open the front door of your new studio or a friend of mine. She just became a, a she became a yoga business owner. Um, I have another friend of mine, uh, him and his fiance, decided to open a yoga business and now they're actually closing their yoga business. So it's like, right there, there's a success story in there. And then there's also a failure story in there, right? They, they, they bit off more than they could chew. They rushed yep. it. Uh, there, it's a whole different backstory on that. But it's like, again, if you're not at least taking action or willing to take the risks, how are you supposed to learn? Yeah. And I'd love to tie this to, um, women entrepreneurs. So you're a sales and marketing guy and a lot of my audience are women. And, um, so, and most of the guests that come on my show are women, but I would love to get your perspective, um, on visibility and the differences between how men and women market themselves. And especially when you're putting yourself out there, um, it seems like, you know, men are just conditioned to like be the go-getters, um, you know, just put yourself out there. But I think us women are just still really squeamish. Like, how would you, can you tell us a little bit about the psychology and how, any tips on how we could overcome this? Well, I, let's see. Wow. This is, that's a, that could be like a whole freaking webinar. Um, <laughs> let's see. How do I, let me start with some basics. Um, you ever hear of the VAC learning method? No, haven't. So VAC, V-A-K, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. So whether you're a male or female, uh, many of us uh, learn priority-wise one way out of all three more than the others, right? So maybe you're... Like think back to college. You know, you know, I'm definitely a visual learner. I loved being in class where I was hearing it and maybe doing it in front of the class. But like, but obviously, you need to visually, you need to be there. Other people, or you know, you know, kinesthetic being in the moment, like doing it, actually doing it. Like I talk about the firefighting, right now. But then, you know, auditory. Okay, 
you could be learning off of audiobooks, podcasts like we're doing right now. Like you could be crushing it with auditory. So again, everybody's got different strengths. Right there, right there. I know it's very general, mm-hmm. but think about yourself versus me. When you were in college, if you had to pick one of those three domains, what was yours? Ooh, that's a good question. Probably, probably being in the moment and visual. Okay. Now, let me add a variable now, now that I got you out there. Now, so for me, in the 90s, when I, late 90s, when I decided to go to college at Penn State before I withdrew to work for a couple startup companies, I was originally an engineering major because my friends were doing engineering. And I, that's what guys do. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't really take the time to actually think about it. Is that what I want to do? Anyway, um, at the time, my study methods were way different compared to when I went back to school as an adult student, you know, after being years in the workforce, trying to build a career with a guy like me with no college, no college background. So in the nineties, I definitely valued being in the class and my home studies were terrible. I was like uh, ADD when it comes to studying at home, but everything that I learned in the classroom clicked. Now, fast forward to 06 to 09, um, so basically we're talking about 96 to 99, then fast forward to 06 to 09, right? So there's a whole decade difference and my learning shifted. I still valued being in the classroom, but technology has changed. I'm doing more online learning and I'm sure a lot of your female entrepreneurs, uh, squeeze in, Hey, let's do, let's do an online class. Let's yep. do online webinar. So now I've got to learn a little bit differently. And I also realize I'm only going to be in class once a week. Actually, when I first started the one program, they were doing twice a week plus online. Then they realized, wait a minute, we only need these people in the classroom once a week. So now I've lost one of those full immersion days, which to be fair, huge schedule opened up, right? I don't have to commute back and forth to class. So there's a pro and a con there. Um, But then uh, obviously with webinars and video, that helps improve some of that. But in the beginning, they were just having us work from home, Mm -hmm. upload our content, There was no live video chats. They had like a messenger board. So we were like messaging each other. So I was really missing the the visual, but also really some of that kinesthetic, like getting into it with everybody, Um, which by the way, I I, I still tell them to this day, since I was a psych guy, I'm like, guys, marketing is one thing. I could do that. Psychology, Mm -hmm. you can't do that. I don't, uh, maybe they've mastered it since I left, but I really valued being in the classroom and everybody clicking on the psych, you know, the psychological conversations that you and I are talking about, the mindset stuff, because seeing and hearing how the female students versus the male students would react differently in different coaching or mentoring sessions and how we talk about psychology of, of life, uh, it's all different. So um, like, for example, let's, let's go back to your question here. Uh, another great exercise that I will never forget to this day is uh, take a, you know, you know what a bar graph looks like? Yeah. Most people do. And you got a zero access, right? The bottom line. And you, you can have a positive bar graph or a negative bar graph. Like, so those bars could be going above zero access or going into the negative below zero access. So I'm hoping I'm to our listeners, I'm always trying to say it in a way that they can hear and visualize what we're talking about. So one of the great exercises that really helped me understand more about men and women was you take six priority domains in your life. And on average, I mean, you can even reduce it to five, but whatever, four, five, six, I don't care. Sometimes in the beginning, people can only think of four, but let's say one of those domains is your education because we're all back in school at the time. One of them is your love, your romance, your friendships, your family, right? So yep. I'm going to, I'm really restricting that because that could be split off into multiple domains. Yeah. Uh, another one is your exercise, your fitness, your health. Okay. 
And then another one is your job, your career, if you are a working student like I was. So right there, I'm going to stop right there. That's just four huge domains. Yeah. Now they said, okay, psychological stress, psychological analysis, men and women, go. So we went up to the dry erase boards. Everybody drew their graph, and everybody listed out of all four what ones they thought were positive right now and which ones they thought were negative right now, not even applying numbers or anything to it. It was such a cool exercise because the women in the audience were between, uh, at least in my class, uh, they were probably 30 to 50 years of age, and the men were right around the same. Now, men, we targeted our career as a high, high focus point, and a man, admittedly, the romantic was down. Okay, that was zero. Health and fitness, all over the board, whether it's men or, men or women, um, as far as the results on the board. But when it came to career versus family, love, et cetera, it's hilarious. There was guys who were fathers in the audience, and they admitted that that one domain was, was in the negative. But then there was women in the audience, that even though they're career women and they were in the business, so to speak, of going back to school, they still ranked their family life as a high priority. So I see that, I see that fast forward to today in marketing and online space or when I meet entrepreneurs that are men versus women, I see some of that. I think that you ladies are amazing when it comes to the nurturing aspect. So when, mm -hmm. I, when I look at that into a marketing aspect, sales and marketing, you look at people's, how they write their websites, right? Mm -hmm. um, either they're writing their content themselves or they're hiring a copywriter that's gonna be a professional to help them maybe improve that content. And let's be real, when you get started, write your own stuff. I mean, not everybody can hire copywriters and editors to like really make it spin nicely. But mm -hmm. I feel that, I think women, I've noticed you ladies are much better at uh, really getting some of the emotion and, and more in touch through your content. I feel, uh, now back to your point, I also feel like they're not as, like out there, like overly aggressive, right? Like some, uh, some people like literally use the term narcissism, right? Like a narcissistic trait is very common psychologically in men. Not sometimes in a very, very bad way. Um, also just sometimes like me, like I know that I have narcissism as one of my traits because I'm very outgoing, right? I'm a public speaker. I'm a podcaster. I'm a sales and marketing professional. I got to show up and close the deal. So yeah, I got to have a little bit of confidence there. And sometimes that's seen as narcissism. So, but it's up to me to spin that in a positive way and make sure it's coming across the right way. So again, men, websites, for example, blogs, et cetera, you see they're very outgoing, very mm -hmm. self-promotive, very uh, just driven, right? And then yeah. some of my women uh, that I've worked with over the years, I see them a little bit more held back. Their content, much more nurturing, much more approachable. Men, sometimes a little abrasive. Uh, but then if you have to look at how you're going to improve their content, usually men, I have to get them to be more transparent uh, in a different way than women. Is is, is this helping? Are, are, am I giving yeah, you some? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm just like sitting and taking this all in. But I think yeah. it's really interesting that you mentioned that like um, for for men, especially the ones that are targeting their career, um, there is a little bit of narcissism because I think us women kind of see that as like, um, it's just not, not a positive trait to have. We're, we're taught to be like the people pleasers, the, the nurturers, like you said. Yeah. But and at the so surface think, level, mm -hmm. yeah, it looks like a negative trait. But what if you could spin that and channel that? Like just accept it, right? Accept it. You know, that's part of who I am, right? What sure. can I do to change that perception? Still use that energy, right? Because even though, even though, again, surface level PC is negative. I'm like, okay, how do you turn that into a positive trait? Use mm -hmm. that to channel 
into a positive trait. Like, for example, years ago, very narcissistic. I was told this, um, sometimes abrasive. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what could I be doing? I can be getting more aligned with more charity work, more giving back, uh, yeah. learning to listen more than speak. Whereas you ladies are great listeners usually. And then I have to get you to come out of your shell more and get that confidence. Like my own fiance, I love her entrepreneur. Okay. Her and her business partner used to work for this pardon the term douchebag vet doctor jerk chauvinistic pig. And before I met her and they said, forget that we're out of here. So her, her business partner, and they even scored the office manager lady said, we're all out. And nice. they started their own business. So I'm, and that was bef right before I met her. So proud of her. Literally last week, we just had our five-year anniversary of her business. We had, a, we had, oh, I, I helped them. Congratulations. Yeah. It's like so cool for her, right? These are horse mm -hmm. doctors and, okay. <laughs> and, but it's an all female business. So shout out to your okay. lady, your lady listeners, right? It's, yes. it's and she's got to be on the show too, Scott. Um, again, now here's where I'm going with this. <laughs> Ain't happening. <laughs> um, why do you think I do the marketing for her and her website and her business? Because um, they're, they got a lot of girl power going on. Even, they even hired another female doctor. So they're great with the animals. They're great with the customers, the nurturing aspect, the supporting aspect. Um, but getting her, she's not like when I go out to networking events and I want her to come with me, it's I'm all, I'm all, that's me. I'm out there, man. I'm a front runner. And yep. she's like, I'm just going to get a glass of wine. <laughs> oh, okay. And that's cool. I accept that. But that's mm -hmm. why if you're going to start building teams, here's, here's the connection point for your female entrepreneurial listeners or men that are listening is, okay, accept that as who you are. And then you make a choice. Do you want to somehow try and take all the time in the world to try and figure out how to reprogram that and turn that into a possible strength? But let's be real. It's not your natural strength. Do you want that? Or do you start looking for people to partner with that have that strength, right? Okay. So you start looking at, like, for example, when I launched my show, I do not have the time to do editing. I've never edited an episode. I have no clue how to do that. Do you probably have all the software on your computer? I'm like, nah, because I started like sitting there and learning it. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. I've outsourced editing since day one. I have no Got clue. It. Some people might see that as a failure. I'm like, no, I know that's not one of my strengths. Mm -hmm. So a powerful book I want to give you guys uh, for your listeners. Have you ever heard of uh, Mike McGrath uh, or is it Mark McGrath, whatever, but the book is called Strengths Finder 2.0. Oh yes. I've heard of that. Mm -hmm. Amazing book. Like I give away like a free guide on my website. You know, people are like, you know, email, boom, boom, send you the PDF. I okay. built the, the, it's one of the books that I recommend in there because Mm -hmm. It's one of those psychological analysis tests. You have to buy the phys physical book because they've got a special code in the book that's a, a unique code for you. And because you have to set up your own online account and you have to go onto their website and then do all their questions. Yeah, if you ever taken one of those tests. But then when you're done, it sends you your top five strengths, mm -hmm. not weaknesses or areas to improve, saying, listen, these are your top five strengths. Now go back to the book and ignore all the other chapters that have nothing to do with those five strengths. And then you just earmark or highlight or whatever, those five chapters, those five strengths. And that's all you care about. If mm. everything is going on in your business, your life, whatever, if they fall outside of those five strengths, outsource it. So there's a, there's my, my life lesson. Uh, so like my fiance is like, Hey, great. She's an amazing doctor. And she's great at organizing things. Like we're leaving tomorrow morning for South Africa for two weeks. So, okay. uh, cause she's, she found a, a doctoral program to study animals and rack up credits. She planned everything. 
booked everything. I'm like, I'm, I'm traveling for business. I want nothing to do with it. I was like, baby, just take care of it and I'll just show up and I'll be there for you. <laughs> so we're both going, okay. like, you know, vacation slash business trip. Uh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to photograph it, video it. So she gets to write it off for education. I get to write it off as a marketing guy. <laughs> oh, okay. Very, right? very Be smart. smart about it. Right. Yeah. That's how you align life with business when you're an entrepreneur. So, I love it, Scott. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, but I think this really, this is a good point. Like, um, knowing your strengths so you could outsource like weaknesses and especially if marketing is not the big thing for you. However, in the beginning stages, we are going to have to put some, some of ourselves out there. And, um, I, I don't know, I, in some ways I've learned, um, that if we see marketing more as like a place of service as opposed to, and what you were mentioning, like channeling that to charity work or something. Mm -hmm. I think there's a better chance that we're going to put ourselves out there more. Oh, and God, it doesn't yeah. have to be in the same style as the guys, but maybe in our own way. I'll you know what I mean? I'm going to back you up 110% on the, um, you ladies are amazing when it comes to charity work. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always the weird guy because <laughs> uh, like for example, all right. So for example, uh, uh, let's see, I literally was just talking about, her. so right now, for example, I'm raising, well, I'm raising money for cystic fibrosis for our local chapter for the cystic fibrosis foundation right now. So I just came last night. Um, I just got back from like doing a thousand miles of driving travel all over upstate New York for business, came home and literally had time to go get a haircut, have them clean me up and go right to this networking event for all the people like me that are the nominees this year that are raising money for the local chapter. So we're all hanging out at a restaurant, grabbing a drink. I'm the only dude. Really? Hmm. I mean, now there is one or two other guys doing the fundraising, okay. but they don't come to events. Interesting. Interesting. Which it's interesting, right? Because normally us guys have no problem going to networking events. If I, if I go to a professional networking event, conference, et cetera, it's usually dominated by men. Yep. Mm -hmm. But let's flip it over. Like the jacket I'm wearing right now, it's got the A. You can see it on the video here. So mm -hmm. I've been an isogenics guy, nutrition business. It's been one of my side businesses since I was a firefighter because I started using their nutrition back then. That is, okay. it is built on the network marketing business model. When I go to those events, I'm the odd man out. It is female powerhouse. So the network marketing yeah. industry, the industry, the profession of network marketing has morphed a lot over the decades. Back in the day, it was, you know, everybody made fun of it. People were calling it crap. There's still old school people who still think that, but it has grown and become much more professional. So it's no longer the MLM world or the multi-level marketing world, at least with, at least with this company. This company is about building something professionally. And if you don't want anything to do with the business, then just, you know what, Eat, you know, drink your shakes and, and enjoy your healthiness and don't ever worry about the business. But, mm -hmm. um, but anyway, when I go to those events, again, most, I'd say 75, 80% ladies, you ladies wow. are great at communication, mm -hmm. networking, talking to each other. Uh, I, I learned that back in psych class too. Like they said, listen, if you had to pick, a, uh, if you had to walk into a place and see two circle ups, like a circle of men and a circle of women in two different sides of the restaurant. I guarantee you, you ladies will talk about anything and everything. I mean, I mean you, maybe you could back me up on this, but <laughs> it seems like nothing holds you ladies back. You share, you're transparent. I mean, my own fiance, like sometimes I'm like, you girls talk about that, really? Um, I mean, we're talking about like romantic stuff, like uh, right, phys right. physical, you know where I'm going with this. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. us guys were like, hey man, how was that game? Yeah, right. Exactly. And so like, I have a buddy of mine going through a relationship problem right now. And I'm like, Hey man, when you want to, when you want to sit down and have a, a man to man talk, like I'm here for you. But mm -hmm. a lot of guys aren't willing to dig deep, do the self work, mm -hmm. get emotional, show the vulnerability. 
I was guilty of it too. I'm still improving that. But once sure. I once I started putting in that kind of self-development, that's what really started building a, a more serious relationship for my fiance and I. Because I, I, we literally broke up for three weeks. I, I, I told you, I will share anything on a podcast. I don't care. Um, <laughs> she, she broke up with me because my head was up my butt. <laughs> and I was still stuck in tough guy firefighting world. And even though I was back here and I wasn't living in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And I was never really giving her a full chance. And hmm. you ladies, man, like, once that light switch gets thrown off, it's almost virtually impossible to turn that back on. And I pretty much, she was like, I'm done. She's like, I don't have time for this. We're done. <laughs> so okay. for the next three months, I, I realized something about myself. I'm like, wait a minute. Was that her or was that me? And if it was me, what the hell's wrong with me? Because I'm, 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 I'm that self-driven. I want to like fix crap because as a guy, I'm a fixer. So yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to try and fix myself. I dove into the psychology, the self-work, everything. And then realized mm-hmm. one of the biggest things out of all that process, because that's a whole different show, was yeah. um, willingness to become vulnerable. Mm, okay. So here's, this goes back to the marketing, right? If your ladies yeah. are listening or the men are listening, are you willing to get transparent and maybe show vulnerability through your brand creation, through your marketing? Because you can't beat the purity of that. And that's something that I am trying to teach to others. It's like, dude, get transparent, mm-hmm. man. Show some vulnerability. Because then people will be drawn to you. They're like, whoa, you really don't hold anything back. Not everybody's ready to open up the book wide open, but just start thinking yeah. that way. Scott, I love this because actually next month I'm going to be doing a vulnerability workshop. Get out. Uh, I, I crap you not. <laughs> Are you hosting this? Yeah, I am. This it's is awesome. In, um, yeah, PHL Vloggers. It's going to be in Saxby's in um, Philly. So it's by it's in the Saxby's UPenn. Yeah. Uh, so like I was 12- just down there like two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I, you said at UPenn? Yeah, the UPenn. That's where um, my fiance went to school. Oh, no way. Well, she went She went to Cornell, okay. but then but then uh, she took the, do- the final doctorate uh, at UPenn. Oh, that's, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, so it's uh, hosted by the PHL bloggers by the fabulous Christina Capello. Shout out to you. Love um, it. We met at NEPA BlogCon a couple weeks back, but um, yeah, most of uh, her network are, I would say about 90% female bloggers and we constantly have to put you know, content out there, whether it's video, podcast, written format. Um, and yeah, it's like, I think, I think there's like this sense of comparisonitis, um, like these FOMOs, you see what's out there first. And I think we're way more cautious. You guys, like what I like about you, man, is you don't overthink things. You guys, and that's why I just love like- Oh yeah, I just take action and do it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whereas like, we're like, should I do this? Should I post that? But that lady is more successful than I am. And you know, it's just, it becomes like- And that's just it. Like like, you got to stop with the comparison stuff. Us guys, we compare stuff too. But we also realize, you know what? Forget you, I'm posting it. And it's either going to work or it's not. And if it doesn't, I'm going to learn something from that. And, and trust me, there's some ladies out there who do definitely embrace that and get it done. And like I said, there's some, there are some women that I respect in that isogenics company that are just, I have nothing compared to them. They are kicking ass and taking names and growing their businesses because they found something they love and they're passionate about and they're growing their teams and they're awesome. But not everybody's at the same point. And I, this is a little tagline I've been using more the past few months. Mm-hmm. We're all at a different place on the timeline. Mm-hmm. You know, on, my, on my show, we talk about health and nutrition and fitness, but we talk about health, business, and lifestyle. So whether it's your lifestyle, whether it's your business, your entrepreneurship, whether it's your health, your fitness, whatever, we're just at different places on the timeline. That's all. 
And as soon as people can realize that, take a deep breath, accept that, own that, and then it's like, all right, how do I get to the next little notch of the timeline? Not to the end of the timeline where that person already is. Stop comparing. Okay, great. They got there. That means you need to flip your mindset and say, great, I'm going to get there too. I can get where they're at. It's just I'm not in a different place on the timeline. They might have put in a few more reps than I did. They might have started a year or two ago. Uh, the other thing is stop trying to copy everybody, okay? <laughs> like mm-hmm. have uh, the cojones <laughs> to be yourself. Build your brand. Don't yep. copy everybody else because you're just going to look like everybody else. Find ways to become vulnerable, to become transparent, and get who you are into your brand, into your website, into your blog, into your podcast. Um, I, I don't know. Are you feeling me on that? I'm loving it. And I, I just love the authenticity of it because I think we forget that, you know what, we everybody has their own experiences. Everybody has their own um something to offer. You yeah. might not see it, but you know what, you, you know, you, you find some way to differentiate yourself just by like being you. And, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this too. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure things out. Uh, I certainly don't have all the answers myself, but at the same time, um, you know, I'm not going to keep that from like, it, it's not going to, let's just say, put it this way. It's not going to um, hold me back from posting the next podcast or the next blog post and no. whatnot. Absolutely not. So yeah, this has been great. I think we're going to have to draw this to a close though. I've got my son's Halloween parade. And Sweet. We're go, yeah. He's, he's an astronaut this year. So um, I love it. Yeah. I think the astronaut needs to make a comeback. All right. Cause like, I know mm-hmm. the space program is not what it used to be, but that's been a long standing costume for decades. I mean, Granted, we're not getting on the moon anymore. We're trying to go farther than that. But yeah, let's bring that back, man. Like he should put like the Tesla logo on it because it's the same, you know, obviously, because obviously the founder of Tesla is doing a lot of stuff in the space program. But uh, that's fun. That's cool. How old? He's six. Yeah. He's in the school system now. More power to you. I, uh, my my girl and I, we want nothing to do with kids. I've been, I've coached ski racing for kids for 11 years. Uh, So dealing with 20, 30 rascals on skis is special. Uh, <laughs> I just ran a, I just ran a, 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 a cycle, a, a mountain biking race here locally last weekend. Uh, we, we had over 400 kids from all wow. over the state of Pennsylvania here racing. And it's like, dude, I don't know how parents do it. <laughs> yep. More power to you. I, I'm a parent to our coon hound and I, my girl and I, we just want the freedom to travel. And then I can give, I can, the, the time freedom that I've created from that has allowed me to do things like this, right? podcasting but i love the fact that you're a mom professional and doing a vulnerability summit and then like and you and you and you're rocking a podcast i mean sweet you're (laughs) proving this goes back to my prior point you're proving the fact that you can get things done you can get it done it's just taking the time to figure out how to reorganize restructure and where Mm -hmm. your priorities at right that zero access thing the bar graphs like okay well what where do you want to line that up in your priorities and how are you going to get stuff balanced and maybe above that zero access, right? Stay out of the negative because that's what brings stress. That brings Absolutely. us back to that prior point. So the more the more bars below the zero, very dangerous. You don't have to have everything kicking ass, but you got to try and keep stuff at least balanced because that's yeah. when we that's when we start seeing stress uh, manifest, uh, whether you're a male or a female. So I want to uh, make sure I at least left you with that because we didn't really finish explaining the whole bar graph exercise. Well, we're gonna have to do another show then. <laughs> Game on. I mean, I'm excited for the vulnerability thing. Is that ladies and men or what, what's up with that? Well, it's mostly women, but okay. um, some men can come as well too. Um, just, um, you know, enlightened men, I guess okay. that's what I call them. But yeah, uh, I'm going to put those in the show notes and I'm going to like probably put this bar graph too. If you want to even send me the link, I could add that to the show notes. But yeah. uh, before we go, where can listeners connect with you? 
everything is live the fuel, all one word, live the fuel.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram. I do more sharing of my, like I literally, I think I shared, I shared a nice photo of the, the fancy tuna carpaccio that I had last night at that networking event. <laughs> but, awesome. uh, I mean, every, I made everything simple, right? When you grow your brand, make sure it's consistent. So live the fuel is all one word, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, they can connect with me directly. Scott Mulvaney also on Facebook as well and LinkedIn. I'm a huge advocate for LinkedIn. You professional lady entrepreneurs and millennials listening, if you're not on LinkedIn, you're missing out. You don't have to crush it on there, but you need to have a profile on there because the Google SEO rankings from that are phenomenal. I'm just, I, yeah. I can get into all reasons behind that, but I don't need to right now. Just make sure you exist. All right. That's what I do. I help people control how they exist. Scott, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for joining us at Simply Design Life Podcast. It's been such great fun. Awesome. Thanks. Hey there, Live the Fuel fans. Quick commercial break. Uh, before we close out the episode, just wanted to give you some extra tips and tricks before we send you on your way. So again, thank you again for listening to the Live the Fuel show. I hope you got a lot out of this recent episode. Uh, more importantly, please subscribe to this show if you haven't subscribed yet. Stay in touch. Get me some feedback. Submit a review on iTunes or Stitcher and get us yet the voice of you, the listener, so we can build this content back into the show and make sure that I'm actually taking you, the listener, into this uh, design and future future as Live the Fuel grows. So again, subscribe, submit a review, stay in touch. Heck, on that point, go visit livethefueltank.com. Livethefueltank.com. That will take you to the link to our private Facebook group community where you can join and I can stay more in touch with you going forward outside of the podcast world. All right, last quick little piece here for you guys, some extra value. One, Go to livethefuel.com main page. You'll see on there, we have our free resources guide. If you are looking for free content and not having to pay for it, consider getting on my email list. You click on the button, send me my copy, get your Super 7's resources guide. There's over 21 of my favorite online resources that I built into this little uh, electronic guide for you guys. There's no cost. It'll just be emailed to you just by hopping on my email. Again, just thank you for listening. I want to give you some value. Uh, second piece of my little extra nuggets of knowledge, if you want to call it this, is go to the resources section on the site. In there, I have three columns, health, business, lifestyle. And two, right off the bat that I want to make sure you guys are taking advantage of is number one, eatpillynuts.com. And number two, villacapelli.com. Their logos are on the site. You got a big bowl of nuts there. And you got a cool big V Power V logo. Both of those, if you use the discount code FUEL, F-U-E-L, you will get 10% off at checkout. So take advantage of that, please. And thank you. And more importantly, there's other companies linked on there. Uh, my nutritional and health alignment with Isogenics since 2010. Uh, the Pure Vitamin Club company for their kick-ass magnesium B12 and an awesome multi-cap. There's some additional business resources on there. Number one, Singularis IT. I go mountain biking and road cycling with the founder. This is a legitimate IT company. I don't care where you are in the world. You can use their services. We're talking about serious white glove level services. I've moved all of my IT solutions over to them, and I outsource them regularly for any future and onboarding clients down the road. And lastly, but not leastly, David Studio. If you have no clue who this guy is, guess what? He is my new audio engineer. This is the guy I've been having making it happen behind the scenes. I found him through the Fiverr world. So if you search for David 
D-A-V-I-D studio on Fiverr, you can track this guy down. But guess what? He's also on the Upwork platform. He's on the People Per Hour platform. You can search for him through his real name. I've never literally physically met this guy or talked to him in person. We have been just met through the online world. But if you search for E-M-I-N, that's I believe pronounced Emin, and uh, Fikik, which is F as in Frank, I-K-I-C, you can search for him in Upwork people per hour or more importantly just go to fiverr like i did but if you are a podcaster or somebody just looking to get quality audio engineering this is your guy so again guys i'll let you get back to your day thanks again for listening to live the fuel we'll talk to you guys again soon thank you for listening to live the fuel visit us at livethefuel.com stay connected on facebook twitter instagram and more at live the fuel live the fired up epic life hashtag live the fuel